1642 where a plague sweeps the land. Millions are dying by the day in torment and agony as the virus cuts down everything in its path. In the wake of the plague have come the mere human diseases of panic and violence. Those who survive the horrible death that stalks the streets have fallen into terror and paranoia as society breaks down. For you, though, there is nothing to fear. The plague cannot touch you. You are fortunate enough to live in the domain of a great prince, who had the selfish forethought to welcome the local nobility into his castle before bolting and barring the doors against the plague and the rest of his people. The castle has left supplies to last for years, and the guards have ordered to kill anyone who approaches the gates. Locked inside the stone walls, everyone believes the contagion will never find a way inside. From the great ramparts of the castle, you and the other guests can drink wine and watch the domain tear itself apart. Even on the darkest nights, the fires light up the sky and the distant screams never end. Some cannot bear the onway and lose themselves in the eternal decadent ball that echoes through the great halls of the castle. There is plenty of wine and several more gluttonous vices and delights to occupy even the most jaded celebrant. The music and the drink will drown out the screams as most of the guests happily lose themselves in both. However, while the portcullis might protect against the plague, it cannot stave off the madness and dark desires of the inhabitants. With the land in ruins, there is no law anymore, so is it possible nothing is a crime? One by one, the nobles are giving in to their darkest desires, and some may welcome the plague as a new form of hell begins to take control of the castle. I'm going to find you, um, the jester. I'm going to find the jester on the battlements of the castle. Uh, we've all just arrived, and um, uh, even from the the uh, sort of remote area that the castle occupies, you can see outstretched. Um, you can see towns in the distance, and a lot of them are, are smoldering, and and um, there's smoke rising into the air. And uh, it's getting towards sunset. Everyone started to arrive throughout the day, and we're getting ready for the night's parties, night's festivities. And uh, I don't, I don't know what exactly you're doing on the battlements, but you definitely you catch my eye with your your um, your dress, your manner of dress. Um. So I, I, I walk over. Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't matter to me. Do you think it is? What would compel your character to be interested more? Do you think something very loud or something very drab and muted? I think it's definitely something loud. Like Okay, so I've got, like, colors and stripes everywhere. Yes. I, so I have, like, colors and stripes, like, everywhere and, like, puffy pants and probably yeah. puffy shoulders and stuff. So and one of those uh, happy drama masks. <laughs> so you're, like, you're, like, ready to, uh, you're, like, ready for the party already, basically. And I walk over, and I just think it's hilarious that you're in a mask. So um, I am going to try to knock your mask off. Um, oh. But 
but I don't have much to offer as far as that because I feel like that's a club. It definitely sounds like a club. So I'm going to play this club here. Can you see that? I can see that. That is a five of clubs. Okay. <laughs> so you're just going to walk up and like try to knock off my mask? I was like, you there, Jester. Let me see your face. And I just take a swipe, like a loose, like a like a lazy swipe at your face to try to knock your mask off. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, if you just want me to play a card for this instead of play going further with the scene first, let me know. Play a, well, yeah, pull, you want me just well play a card? I mean, do you know what you're gonna do for a thing? Ah, uh, sure. I know definitely how I this goes down in my head. Yeah. I, okay. So I guess what I'm gonna do is, I guess I'll go with clubs. Also, I'm gonna drop me a seven clubs. And uh, so as you say, you know your thing, and go to swipe at my mask. The jester just turns and bows under your hand, basically. To make it not seem as if he was intentionally dodging your swipe, and the jester comes back up and just like stares at you. And I, I sort of laugh. <laughs> um, and it's like I've already lost interest in seeing what's under your face, or or at least for now. But I've sort of resolved that at some point I will get that mask off of you. And probably try to humiliate you in the process. Okay. Do you walk away? Yeah, and I just walk away. Okay. I follow very closely behind. Okay. Almost stepping on your feet. Alright, so I guess I'm going to go talk to the scholar. Kind of as the party's starting to wind up. And it's kind of like... It is for its peak. And sort of... Try and talk him down from his drunken stupor into a more, or kind of guide his drunken meandering over to his scholarly conversation to sort of explain to people that the Red Death isn't, this whole plague isn't that bad, that these things have historical precedence. The scholar turns to you, and he splashes his wine in your face and says, How dare you? I'm in, a, I'm in the middle of a conversation. So anyway, and then he turns back and starts continuing talking to the other people. Going to attack the scholar with my six of diamonds. And uh, this scene is going to take pretty much immediately, take place immediately after what just happened. You turn around, uh, or like, we kind of see in the background as that's happening, the Duke come clomping in with the Jester right behind him. And uh, we kind of see, it kind of zooms in on you guys and we see some fuzzy movement. And... Uh, as you turn back around to your conversation in the middle of your social circle stands the jester with another glass like you turn and it's like almost a jump scare you practically crash into him he's just standing there staring at you with another glass filled with some sort of dark liquid 
to the brim. Also, uh, I keep using he, but I do not mean to. I would like the jester to be, at least at this point, very ambiguous as to pretty much all details of the jester. So I should be using they. Replace all he's with they's. Basically, as you, you turned and splashed your wine in the advisor's face, and as you turned back around, mm-hmm. standing in the middle of your circle that you were conversing with is the jester. And, uh... Also, I guess just the way all this is framed, like, no, pretty much no matter who the jester is talking to, we always get their perspective to almost make it seem like the jester is eye level with them, regardless of your varying heights. Um, but you turn around and the jester is like right there with another glass of some sort of dark liquid full to the brim, just staring you in the face with his happy drama mask and very colorful attire there Jester excellent so good to see you you're my favorite guest I'm so glad you're here every time I leave my room I'd love to, is, this, is this for me uh, they push it forward practically into your face uh, I take it and I wrap an arm around the Jester and I uh drink happily merrily and heartily of it (laughs) you take as you converse with the jester and take sips of your wine you go to take a sip and then go back to continue your conversation but the jester is no longer in your arm and it's just gone i forget about it and i continue my conversation with the people i'm gonna go to um the Advisor. Is you a duke? No. Advisor. Okay. I'm going to commit that to memory. Um, uh, I'm going to go to the advisor. And after having drank whatever the jester gave me, I feel a little different. And I'm going to uh, attempt to apologize for my rude behavior earlier. Uh, advisor. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to apologize for my rude behavior. Here, have a, a tissue to dab yourself off with. It is mine own, and I'm giving it to you. Here and here's a drink the jester gave to me. I partook of it already, but you you can have some and share it with me. So, as the advisor, I'm going to reluctantly take the drink and down it in a single gulp. Perhaps the only way to have people listen to me is to join them in their revelry sometimes. How do you do it? I'm a scholar. I don't know what that means. And I trail off down the hall. Alright, I will play... um, I'm going to stage a scene against the... Um, the uh, the advisor who just just went. Yeah. So I'm going to play a diamond, and uh, basically what happens is the uh, the advisor is it the advisor or the scholar. I got them backwards. The advisor is staggering down the uh, hall or starting to whatever it was in that drink 
is taking effect. So as he's walking down the hall, the the hall the length of the hallway is growing and the proportions are changing and it's sort of starting to look like a feverish uh, dream rather than a uh, traditional hallway. And uh, the level of unreality is uh, increasing as he walks down the hall. And uh, the um, <laughs> the Duke steps out and uh, is immediately struck by the quiet um, the quiet uh, attractiveness of the advisor's face, the uh, shapeliness of the advisor's body, and the Duke uh, uh, sort of goes to um, uh, uh, sort of mm, push the advisor against the wall and plant a kiss on him. So I'm gonna play this boy right here. So you win. So the two. So you narrate the uh, the the what happens and you narrate the outcome. Yeah. So as I stagger down this endless nightmarish hallway. I like a figure springs like mm-hmm. oozes out of the floor and approaches me with with its like countless innumerable tendrils and appendages and moves me to the wall and with a quick with a like a quick jutting movement mm-hmm. I reach for a stealth dagger and slash the beast across what I what feels like its face and make off staggering down the hall, tripping and, and falling and recovering myself as quickly as possible. So, so an entourage of Prospero's kind of guards, corner the jester in sort of like a recreational area, or like a room off to the side, like a lounge room, and close the door behind them. With, with what intention? You see, they they're sort of like rattling their sabers, and the like. What seems to be the guard captain approaches you. Oh Jesus Christ! That's clubs. And says, Prospero doesn't like you gallivanting around in that mask, causing your little playing your little games in his castle. And the guard unsheaths their sword. Uh. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, I just need to look at something real quick. Ah. Uh, oh god. Yeah. This would be okay. Um. So I'm gonna play my two of hearts in response to your jacket <laughs> clubs. Okay. And uh, the jester turns to meet the guards, oh. and uh, seeing the situation prostrates themselves but as they do so uh, lifts their heads up lifts their head up and like kind of questioningly cocks it to the side but obviously still wearing that dumb happy drama mask (laughs) that puzzling gesture from the jester puts their face right at boot level and gets a raw boot heel straight to the face as the rest of the guards come in 
and just kind of kick the jester around a bit. And after, and after, let's say a good five or ten minutes, it's a lot of kicking. It is a lot of kicking. The head guard leans back down, picks the gesture up by their tassels, and looks him straight in the eyes and says, Just remember this is Prospero's castle. Not a place for you, not your court and not your games. And kind of tosses the gesture aside. I will attack the advisor. Um, so... After the advisor's run-in with um, the duke, he finds a room somewhere to rest and recover. And um, as you wake up, your vision is blurry, but you can kind of make out a figure sitting at your bedside. And as your vision comes back, you can make out the jester no longer in colorful, puffy clothing, but a little more raggy, sort of drab green jester outfit. Still the stupid mask, but the mask is now cracked and there is a little bit of blood seeping out of one of the eye holes. Uh, one of the bells is probably cracked or broken open completely. But um, as you sort of come to and like seeing that probably start a little bit, the jester like pushes you back down with like a warm towel on your head and puts one finger up to the mouth of their mask. And, uh, after doing so, just, like, puts their hands together in, like, and, like, slightly nods their head in the sort of, like, apologetic way. Also, it's definitely raining now. Okay. Like, the sounds of a storm are coming from outside. But gently. Yeah. Alright, so I'm going to play this three here. And I... I don't know what your game is, Jester. But at this point, it's too t- I'm too tired for it to matter. Just let me rest. Does the second person always narrate the end of the scene, or does the winner narrate the end of the scene? I forget. The winner is supposed to narrate the end of the scene. Okay. So as you say that, the jester stands up, points to uh, a nightstand next to the bed you're on, where some bread and a glass of water sit, and... uh, you're pretty sure it's the hallucination from whatever just happened to you but you feel like you see the smile on the jester's mask widen a little bit and they leave the room I'm gonna come at the duke with a (laughs) duke I'm about to retire to my quarters 
And I'm pretty sure this is the voice I've had all night. And, uh, would you like to come join me and some friends of mine? And the Duke, uh, opens up his door, and it is, um, one other gentleman and three other women and, uh, sort of a bunch of sort of see-through drapery and a lot of pillows all over the place and several hookah and, like, a lot of really cool, funny drugs. So, um, the uh, Duke steps out of the slightly shadowed um, uh, the way he had been standing in the hallway, you couldn't exactly see him because of the way the torches were flickering. And uh, he steps forward into the torchlight and you can see instead that he's got <clears throat> a uh, razor uh, a razor or a knife a knife um, wound straight across his, his face including one of his eyes and uh, his blood sort of caked all over in his face in a, in a cartoonish way and um, the so he says um, tonight's not the night for such things haven't you heard the world is ending and he uh, wipes uh, blood off of his face with his hand and then reaches out and presses it against your chest leaving a bloody handprint and then staggers on down the hallway into the darker areas of the castle so I'm going to go after the scholar and um, so he he, the scholar the scholar um, sort of um, watches the uh, Duke head down the hallway and he turns and he sort of shrugs and takes off his outer coat with a hamper on it, just tosses it into the corner and he turns and looks back into um, the room where he's got the girls and drugs and things and pals and uh, he sort of uh, takes a big hit of the hookah and then jumps in the jumps into the fun and then after a few after uh, maybe an hour or so everyone's resting and uh, uh, the scholar turns to um, see one of the girls has a uh, a dirty uh, handkerchief and she's uh, reaching it towards the scholar's face she says this came from outside I'm gonna give you what I have and she, oh, shoot and she goes to press the handkerchief into your into your mouth well introduce her to my uh, her new friend one of the other men in the room one of several other people and um he entices everyone here to actually get well acquainted and he gets up and he leaves his quarters and he locks them behind him uh, leaving them all trapped inside. Scholar. Not the scholar, the, the duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to attack the duke. Um, so, the duke is going to be <laughs> scooped up in like a cadre of people and he's going to be whisked away into another room. Mm-hmm. Where, if this room is dark, it's lit by very sparse candlelight. 
and there is like a figure at like sort of in the center of the room with ver- draped in black with no sort of light on them and as you're ushered into the room we have and you're sort of greeted by different members of the crowd as they tell you there is only death outside the only way to beat death is to join death join us in our new death our old gods are dead we ra- we come to life again new within death and you can see there, this room has kind of a rotten smell to it and you're not you can probably pick your finger at it but you're not sure as people come over and sort of start to dip their fingers in different pool like these different sort of like saucers and go to paint upon your face a grim death mask that you can see them all wearing. Um, take some of the paint and and sort of regards it for a second from the, or the whatever's in the pool, whether it's paint or. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a sharp metallic scent to it. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> takes some of the sharp metallic smelling liquid, <laughs> and um, yeah. sort of just touches it to his tongue for a minute. Uh, and at this point, he could barely see because his eyes, one of his eyes, was cut pretty badly, and there's also blood all across yeah. his face. But he remembers. Um, He remembers uh, for a second um, life before the play came, and that's enough to sort of give him a sort of a fever, like a like a a sudden and uncontrollable like adrenaline reaction. And uh, he pushes through, and he pushes out, and there's a uh, there's a window at the edge of the room that's covered in a tapestry, and he sort of blindly yeah. runs and jumps through the window without being without seeing where where he's going and he just smashes through the window and uh, that's that's where we see that's where we see him last for the the scene the scene alright of a basement? no they were just in a side room oh okay it was just very sparsely lit and you know the windows were covered in tapestries yeah like everything was was no ice but yeah I got, got and it's our and it's already a storm. At that, the uh, scholar. So uh, you leave your room, and leave the death orgy behind. And as you walk down the hallway, you see a light uh, illuminating at the other end. And uh, Matt and Andrew, if you would like to join my angry mob, please do so. And you hear. Uh, voices start to echo through the hallway saying things like I hear someone brought it in here on purpose there's some kind of cult worship in the plague it's like it's like godly that's what yeah. I'm saying and uh, a group turns the corner and you see torches and makeshift weapons knives pitchforks whatever and they look at you and stop and one points to the one in front points to the handprint on your chest and 
says, That must be the mark of the cult! Get him! Boy, I'm gonna stick my knife at him. I am. And the group descends upon you. Stick my knife at him good. Old knifey, I call him. Um, step a step. But old, old shoppy, old shoppy puss, right in his, right in his gizzles, right in his gizzles. <laughs> the worst mob participants ever. <laughs> They're back in the corner. Rosencrantz, they haven't begun charging yet. Old Mister Stabby Stabs. Ooh, give him a, give give a royal chibi jab. You know what I don't much care for is no, cults. cults are not a fan of me. I'm a god man myself. The old G man. <laughs> not right, gents. Ooh. I'm gonna play this card and say. uh no, my friends. Sorry, must have been another guy. Let me tell you why the world rotates on its axis. I don't know, know whether to be outraged well, or not. Confused. I don't know what era this is. Oh, I don't know. Do I still get to put Mr. Stabbers in, in someone's... How is this related to God? Not today, my friend. For you see, my philosophy is uh, love and the containment of the plague there's a plague orgy in this room and that's gonna be a nightmare to deal with later but until now we really don't have to worry about it uh if we could bar the door why don't we'll we try barge the door my voice is changing a lot I'm different we're different members of the orgy talking through the door <laughs> nope that you're the same voice <laughs> <laughs> We're all vaguely similar. Yeah, we have similar interests and ideas. We're basically actually, all the same. yeah. You know what? This mob—they totally want to. Since you said that, they want to break into that room and either imprison and or kill those people. Are you gonna let them do that? I'm not gonna stand in the way, of my friends. I, th I this is not my. I'm a scholar. This isn't my problem. I'm gonna let the nightmares just keep happening. The Duke finds a stranger in the woods okay. or wherever, just like. Somebody outside the castle where he landed, just like falling apart, sopping wet from the rain, and oh. looking very sickly. And they sort of sneak up on him, like catch him off guard, and are clinging to him and like wheezing and sort of choking on their own vomit, like all over him. And with their like jagged nails sort of digging into his flesh <laughs> as uh, one of their eyes rolls out of their head and into the muck. <laughs> Shit. Also, you I hadn't even considered that you landed outside. That's interesting. Um, so, okay. Um, so you know, stacked with face cards. Jesus Christ. Um... Someone's stacked with aces. What happens is, what happens is uh, that starts to happen what you described, uh, and instead, well, not instead, but uh, instead of the thing you said, something else entirely different. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Your scene sucks. Here's what actually happens. <laughs> no, actually, no. Uh, the um, the sound of uh, a wolf or wolves howling um, through the woods. Uh, fills the air and uh, as that uh, thing is pressing the stranger is pressing itself into me or whatever um, the wolf's howls get closer and closer as we struggle until um, after a few minutes of like 
like staggering back and forth through the woods trying to like overcome each other a, a, a bunch of wolves burst out of the woods and attack the uh, stranger and drag it down drag it down and the uh, the duke staggers um, staggers deeper into the woods basically yeah you're going away <laughs> from the castle okay <laughs> This is turning into quite the adventure for the Duke. He's like, this party's real crazy. I have to get deeper in the woods. <laughs> so as the scholar, the scholar decides to check in on that room. Like after some, after some time has passed. Because he left like a, some of his personal effects back in that death room. Where the mob went in. That's what happened, right? Didn't the mob what? go into the room he was in? Yeah. What? So he goes in yeah. to pick up a few personal effects, thinking, oh, well, what could really happen? And he's greeted by an unimaginable stench of death. The people... He looks, he looks inside to see just sort of like death surrounding the entire room. Both either by plague or by human hand. And as he turns to leave, a hand wraps around his ankle. As someone, as his friend from, as one of his, his gentleman friend from earlier, coughs up a wad of blood and says, Do not leave us here. Um, the scholar falls to his knees and he weeps for his for his friend, and uh, he stays with him for a little while and tries to comfort him in his time of plague and horrible death. Unfortunately, the realization cut washes over the scholar and using his own logical mind begins to realize the plague is set in too deep it's become it's going to soon overrun the entire castle he himself may already be infected there is there are no longer walls keeping the plague from you you might as well be out in the open with the rest of them okay uh, it is the following day. Yes. And um, someone happened upon that scene that just happened and considered the fact that the scholar might be infected. And they brought him to the courtyard and stockaded him, partially for humiliation, partially just to see what happened. And as a crowd gathers outside... Um, The advisor is beckoned to his duke, and the duke says to the advisor, That man up there, he he could not be our downfall. I've heard of him. He is a good man. We should help him. The 
My, but if we could not help the plague on the outside, despite our many efforts, what hopes do we have that can? We're in. We are now an incubation chamber for it. This man is not a plague. He was simply on the wrong end of a bar brawl, as it were. Who hasn't taken a few lumps in their time and come out worse for the wear? Look at him. He's a laughing stock up there. These people want nothing more than blood. They are a plague themselves. Yeah. Composes himself. Cleans his hair a little. Straightens up. Perhaps you're right, my lord. Business is at hand. We should keep him stockaded just to be sure. Don't want to take any chances. But let's keep the rabble away from him at least. At least end his, at least end his humiliation. Uh-huh. You! Rabble out there! Get out of here! There's, there's parties and festivities to be had. No, no need to lollygag around here. Uh-huh. Why are you shouting at that old sad dog? I'm really sure at the crowd, my lord. Or is that, that Tim Allen? I'm not sure. <laughs> that's that's Mad Jester. I have no interest in him. He is, although he is the rabbliest of the rabble. Oh, Andrew! Tim Allen under the mask. Revealed my plot twist. What? This Tim Allen was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we get, um, so yeah, sorry, my man, you're still in those stockades, but, uh, we get a post set up so that people are not able to humiliate you. Yeah, they're not making a show Further. And morale is returning to the castle? Who knows? Mm, probably not. No. I got my morale back. People are probably pretty mad. The advisor is going to run into another sympathetic stranger to the scholar who's going to try and hello hello advisor that scholar he he changed my life and showed me the ways of his you know, what crazy are you doing? crazy science I'm trying to free the scholar from the stockade okay i'm in it to win it chris i'm not going to win right. it in the stockade you're not going to win it by handing andrew more hearts either Hey man, I define my own win in this the old, game. His own pig in the skin. My character's gonna win. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I forgot um, one detail. The scholar is naked. I felt like that was implied by stockade, but I would yeah, just like to make that explicitly clear. I understood that. Oh, I feel like no. Hang on. Let me just mention he's been naked <laughs> okay. since the beginning. So. So yeah, like right. they didn't That's put clothes on me at some point. Like, like, the stockade. Perfect. Okay. Why would you put clothes yeah. on? <laughs> Humiliate him. That Cover is, his genitals. That's like a belt that you wear, but it's like a belt. <laughs> All right, so, no, um, is he freed? That. What? So what happens? Yeah. I played my eight and... Free him, free him. He's such a good, smart man with so much brain... St- Intelligence to spread around, and he doesn't have the plague. I, you seem I'm to be sure. At end. You're, you're speaking nonsense right now, but I suppose giving into a bomb mentality does not benefit 
our group, do me a favor. Keep him with you. Keep him isolated from the rest of the party at the very least. And put some pants on him. Make him decent. Oh, for sure. For sure, mister. He'll cover everything. Perfect. Not everything. We need to see his face. Just in case. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. What? Of the plague. Of course. Yeah. Now run along. Get go with your business. And the advisor kind of like turns around and heads okay, off uh, into the castle. They pitter patter away. And but he also passed you a key to the stockade. Oh yeah, they go and they free the dude and he's out and. Yay, thank you. That's so great that you freed. Oh, no, you're welcome. It was so it was so easy. I just told him about your wonderful science. Oh, yeah, science is pretty great. Really? Because um, I've heard it's a liar sometimes. Yes. Goes against God well, if you ask me. Let me explain to you. And I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan Here's of the man upstairs. The Lord can believe in science. Not my Lord. <laughs> The Lord created science. The uh, scholar has to go to the bathroom. It's, it's an urgent matter, actually. He's been in the stockade for a long time. And he sits down uh, in the outhouse. And uh, it's been raining all night and some of the day. And it's, it's a, the mud uh, stinks inside his hands, like under his skin, like a, like a, like a large worm or, or some kind of bug that's crawling up and down. It's crawling. It's crawling under his skin on his uh, on the, on the front of his hands. See, this is weird because I don't know how to defend this. Maybe you have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you got something crawling around your arm. You're in the spider. You just, yeah, I mean, um, you're in the bathroom. You just poop out the spiders. In the pure sense, um, um, that's all right. You know what? Um, cool, tight, cool, tight, cool. Tight. Good call. Thank you. I forgot that. So I'll, I'll do that. I'll All help right. Matt. All right. So. Unless Andrews wants to help in and help Gina. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he notices this thing wriggling through his flesh. Yeah, it's working, and, his, way uh, it's working his way up his arm. He starts to hold his, it's through his arm, correct? Like his hand and I imagine going up his arm. Yeah, he goes to like clutch at the, his forearm and like stop it from going through and sees it start to bury deeper in under his thumb and uh he starts to scream and uh try and like feel in his arm and force it out but he can't find it anymore and um he just starts slamming his arm against the wall and screaming in pain we don't exactly see what what um it's like the camera cuts to like, just him in silhouette and we see he can't it's like he, instead of screaming he starts to choke and this is all in silhouette and then we see um, suddenly uh, like thousands of tiny little creatures crawling out of his mouth but we don't see exactly what they are they could be insects or something slightly bigger so I'm coming for the jester the jester the jester the jester all right, so diamonds. All right, just diamonds on me. Is 
minding their own business. Um, and they are approached by someone with a a drug. <laughs> I know this guy. I know this guy. I don't Do you want to take a second to think about where the seat's going? Uh, uh, so the gesture is kind of tending to their mask, like cleaning, cleaning it up, polishing it a little, sort of like getting themselves sort of like prim and proper. Not taking it off, though. Not taking it off, Just no. to be clear. But, no, of course not, but getting it cleaner, getting into the role of a more respectable gesture, getting back into the, into the craft, you know? When a cadre of partygoers smashes into the room. Cadre. A whole cadre. Okay. They sweep you up into their excitement as one of them passes you a strange powder. Yeah, I do that strange powder. (laughs) Swept up in it and just embraces it. And as soon as they are handed that strange powder, they slip it up under their mask and how whatever container it was conveyed to them in is returned empty. Was, the container was someone's hand. Well, the hand is put under their mask. He does not, or they do not bring the mask to them. The jester brings the hand up under the mask. All right. And does that sweet, sweet powder. And with that, your vision starts to blur. You're not sure what it is, and you become one with the party, one with the cadre, and feel your identity. You can feel sort of like your mask slipping from you, whether literally or metaphorically, you're not sure. At this point, and the Duke is still staggering through the woods, and... um. He hears more wolves begin to howl, but he can't tell where it's coming from. And as the Duke staggers forward, as the scene gets more rushed, he suddenly comes to a clearing. And all the while, howls continue around him. But as soon as he bursts into that clearing, all sound seems to cease. And he is face-to-face with the jester. Or not face-to-face, but the jester is in the center of of the clearing with now a sad drama mask with an identity. It is a curved knife. And around the clearing are several gutted wolves. And for a moment, they stare at each other, and the jester begins to walk forward. Um. So... Uh, the Duke um, embraces himself uh, for an assault. Um, he, he, his mind at this point is 
um, so much trauma and stress. As the uh, jester advances on him, he his mind races and he gets he gets ready to to fight or fight or flee or uh, whatever opportunity presents itself. <clears throat> but instead, um, there's a noise to uh, their left, uh, uh, probably standing back up, um, head hanging loosely. Their wolf stands up, uh, and they advance on the two of them. Um, and uh, as that happens, um, uh, the uh, sky takes on a red tint, and um, the jester feels his throat and his tongue. And the the uh, meat around his eyes swelling up to the point where he can barely see. And uh, then he is pushed to the ground. He, he he can't tell if it was by the duke, but as he falls, he hits his head on something hard, like a rock, and uh, eyes swollen shut. I like that, but how is that a diamond? Well, he's got <laughs> the idea was that. Oh shit! I got that confused with spades. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Ah, fuck. Uh, okay. So, uh, so the wolf <laughs> gently. I thought this was gonna be like a thing where I thought we were gonna the kiss. The wolf is gonna, the wolf gets gently fuck you as you fall asleep. It could be diamonds too. <laughs> that's hearts, dude. Oh yeah, sure. It can be diamonds. I mean, I just if you can. Uh, yeah, I, I. That's my bad. I I had spades in my head. Also, the the wolf gives you a jump. <laughs> Yeah. The wolf gives you a Yeah, the uh, uh so you fall to the ground. <laughs> he wakes up a week later in the loving Well, you fall to the ground and your uh, your dick falls out of your pants. And then you like out. And then you hear you feel uh, a <laughs> zombie wolf you <laughs> oh, to no, lick it. Oh no, wait. Hmm. Okay. My bells jingle pleasurably. <laughs> The wolves uh, stand up, and uh, you feel your throat begin to swell, and your eyes begin to swell. Um, And you look down at your hands, and uh, they're covered with this strange black powder. And all of a sudden, you realize you're chewing, and uh, you look around. You look around, and all of a sudden, you realize that you weren't um, standing at all. But instead, you're in a uh, a room in the castle, and um, the uh, you're in some kind of I don't know trophy room, and all around you are stuffed wolves, and uh, you're across from, and you're in front of you on the table. It's it's a dim it's room it's a very dimly room it's only by candlelight, and there's a, a really low table that you two are both sitting on the ground in front of on blankets, <clears throat> surrounded by these taxidermied animals. And on the table in front of you is uh, what looks like piles and piles of uh, black cat mushrooms, or some kind of mushroom or some kind of hallucinogenic plant. And you've been sitting there eating these mushrooms. I would I would assume that's the end of the scene. 
I'm gonna play uh <laughs> So the advisor uh the advisor goes to the restroom where the advisor uh hears a strange noise coming from one of the are there stalls? Is it just one room? What is this? The bathroom? No, you decide. You decide. Real quick, Gino, I want it to be very clear to you that this is, until the end, the last scene that you will be a part of. He can be a part of the scene, right? He just can't defend? Yeah. No. We can't attack him either. So, Gino, this is your last scene until the end. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm just saying make make it a good one. The advisor enters the bathroom to a strange retching noise coming from the far just clothes lying about strewn across the floor clothes that look vaguely familiar clothes that belong to the scholar the pants that the advisor themselves had just put on the scholar personally themselves with the help of their daughter there it is <laughs> and and um and looking into the stall she finds not the scholar but what the scholar has now become. More of a beast that's more tarantula-like than human, except it has the same face as the scholar, except bulging insect-like red eyes. Like that of a fly, almost, and five segments to his body. Stretching up the stall of the wall and over into the next, oozing with a thick slime as spiders pour out of its gaping maw. And, um, he goes for the advisor. All right. So with this, as the spider creature kind of, I guess, lunges, the advisor sidesteps it quickly and leans down to it, what leans down to its ear and whispers into it. You have no business with me. You have no business in this castle anymore. You have no business in this castle of lords and ladies. You're a beast. No better than the plague itself. Go forth and ravish the ruined lands. And he just, just backs away and gestures to the wall, like the, the border wall of the castle. Where, uh, actually, in the, in the immediate aftermath of that last thing that happened, where you were in the uh, trophy room with the card table and the guy with the eyes were so... The, the, man, the hairless man whose eyes were sewn shut with whom you're sharing mushrooms... Uh, and uh, you've reached some point of intoxication where you uh, are your your perception of reality is is very intense. Everything takes on a um, like a like a mm, unearthly sharpness, and you um can't stop staring at the man with the eyes sewn shut uh, three stitches in each eye he's got um, incredibly thin lips that don't exactly smile but sort of smirk each time he takes up a handful of the mushrooms and he he takes a handful of the mushrooms puts them in his mouth like aggressively and, and they, they fall some of them fall out and he just like loudly chews them with uh, lots of wet biting and slurping noises 
and then you then you take a mushroom and then he hands it grabs a handful and so forth then all of a sudden he he <clears throat> stands okay. up and he takes out two dusty glasses and he pours mm. you each a dusty green glass of liquid <clears throat> of um the green liquid and then he smiles at you and then still still standing he pulls a, a really short dagger from his pocket and uh drags it against across his throat and falls back into the chair where he was sitting um and you look up and the ceiling is glass or is, is transparent and you can see uh, all above you you can see carrion birds you know uh, a sky that's on fire and you are strongly compelled. I have one question. Sure. This character that is happening across from me is not the Duke. No. Okay. So as this whole thing happens, the kind of doesn't really react. And after the whole demonstration is done, Mushrooms heads for the door stops turns around grabs whatever bottle that person used and then just leaves the corpse where it lay I think it is some time has passed it is now um early the next morning probably about to be dawn um Duke has found his way and eventually he is as the gate swings open he sees a figure just one standing on the other side and it quickly becomes clear to him that it is the jester and they walk up to the duke and never looking up but when they reach, I imagine, well, the Duke is making his way back into the castle. So they meet inside the gate. And as they would be crossing each other, the Jester embraces the Duke. And you wanted to see what was under the mask. And tries to kiss him. Oh, wow, okay. Way to turn the tables on me. Good job. Jesus Christ. Wait, did you did Matt, Matt, did you have three of the four aces? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. This is going to lead right into my next scene. I guess, which makes sense. So the jester says that. Sure. And they leech forward to kiss the duke the duke's face just falls right off just slides right off and the jester takes a step back as the the duke just turns to a skeleton right in front of him and the jester reaches up and touches his own face and it feels very unfamiliar and he looks down at his fingers and sees the uh telltale 
bubbling of the flesh around his fingernails. And he looks closer. He just he's all of a sudden struck by his index the the fingernail on his left index finger. And as he just gets cl- the camera cuts closer and closer to it. And it, as it does, as it reaches sort of the point in which the camera has completely framed the index finger and the, the tip of the index finger, just the fingernail and pretty much nothing else, it just sort of falls out, leaving underneath it um, just raw, bubbling flesh. Oh, you had to do nail stuff. Okay, so I was... Yeah, so the camera cuts out and um, the jester is staring into the mirror. <laughs> and... Uh, He's still wearing his hoodie. He still can't really see his face. And you see him reach up with his two, fing- two, two hands, now completely devoid of fingernails. <sighs> and you can tell just by the, ex- the expression that sort of passes on the lower half of his face that it's very painful because his fingertips are so raw and unprotected. Um, and he says to himself, he remembers what he was like before he put them out. Or they remember what they were like before. He could take. They could take their uh, hood off. They could walk further into the castle. And uh, take what comes. So, um, with this whole mirror thing, did you want me to then, like, you certainly? I don't even. Feel I my wouldn't. Jester, but you would, you would do whatever you, you can do. Yeah, um, the Chester just stares down for a moment, and then punches at the mirror, but the mirror is too tough, or the Jester is too weak, who can tell? But the fact that the Jester does not have fingernails is certainly not helping, and the mirror just becomes... The jester takes at it. And eventually the jester stops. Hands swollen and bloody. And I think begins to. Or I guess shrugs and begins to walk toward the castle. Well, they're going to. I think hope and love win, so they walk away from the castle. Out to the, out to the forest. Oh, okay, sure. And uh, yeah. I think we what we see is, is instead sort of um, the camera cuts abruptly down as as the jester pulls off the hood and walks out into the forest, um, away from this the decadence and into the real world. Let's do our fates. The Duke's is real simple. Um, we uh, the camera cuts to uh, a figure laying face down. Uh, under a window and it was the duke from where he jumped out the window uh his body is um splayed uncomfortably he fell from quite a height as it turns out um and uh we see a wolf one of the wolves that that seem to be haunting the uh woods around the castle pull his body over so that we briefly see his face with the cut across the eye 
before the wolf um, puts his snout down and begins to pull out, um, pulls off his nose and, and so forth. And then the camera cuts away. Ah, that cut, <laughs> that cut of the wolf ripping off the Duke's face is transitioned into the jester taking a big bite of meat as he dances on top of it or as they dance on top of a table and music plays loudly there's clapping there's a crowd the entire scene is just joyous and uh frantic in a way we never quite get a focus on any part of the scene other than the jester and briefly we get a shot of the jester mushrooms in one hand some kind of other liquid in the other hand doing a jig on top of a table in the dining room of the castle with just uncountable corpses strewn about the strange abomination that was once the scholar now haunts that bathroom Gross. and feeds on folks careless enough to wander inside of it, uh, making its lair out of a, a nest of slimy ooze from its underbelly and webbing from its child spiders. So the advisor story picks up like in a brighter, sunnier environment of the castle. As you can see, the advisor talking to various hired help around the castle as they're cleaning up wreckage and debris, like dragged out by the baleful. And you see him sort of like pouring over a table full of just like maps and documents and assorted paperwork and busy work as he makes his plans for the future and looks. And eyes, eyes gladly over to the to his coughing duke. And now we and Andrew kind of touched on it: the fate of the castle, uh, which means fear of the plague binds the inhabitants together. In this atmosphere, they come to understand their equality and commonality rather than their differences. The screams of the dying outside fill each one of them with shame and inspire them to do what they can to help their fellow outside the walls. The doors of the castle open to discover the plague has passed, and the inhabitants have set out to heal and now, or and rebuild. Now the darkness has passed over. Now that the darkness has passed over, I assume. That was our Dance of the Damned episode. Um, some of you may have heard the 40-minute rough cut, but I think that one holds together a little bit better. I was able to salvage a little bit more of the audio. Um, uh, Dance of the Damned is an interesting game. Uh, I really like the playing card mechanic, and I think it's a great one-shot. Um, you can check out our website, actualplay.network. Gino did the title card illustration. Uh, if you dig his art, he has a long-running webcomic at Pizza Pranks. Dot com and a Patreon, which you can find there for his art, or you can find the link on our website at the show notes. Um, we're close to releasing our Lamentations of the Flame Princess episodes. Um, I think that I just have to finish making some music for them, 
and uh, we have to figure out we're missing just a tiny bit of it. Uh, our hard drive failure was almost resolved, so uh, no need to panic about that. Um, we also have a shooting the moon, which is partially recorded, which I might just release the first part of. Um, opening music was Fossils by Kyle Preston. Disclosing music is a remix of Bonnie and Clyde by Attic Soul. Um, Andrew and I have another podcast, GoldenHR.com podcast. You can check that out at GoldenHR.com. Covers horror movies between before 1979. Most recently, we we covered Black Sunday, which is just a great great movie. Um, and I think we're doing another Jap- a Japanese movie, another foreign movie next. Um, if you need help with your website, check out www.whalingcityweb.com. That's our sponsor. Um, thanks again for listening. Hope you had a good Halloween. Tune in soon. We're going to have another episode coming a little bit sooner than monthly. And thank you so much.